Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Because let's face it, failure freaking stings. No matter how much, mm-hmm. right? No matter how successful you are, failure still stings. And so making sure... Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome back everyone to School of Greatness. I'm very excited about our guest the larger-than-life Lisa Bilyeu. Good to see you. I'm so excited. I'm very excited that you're here. You've got a new book called Radical Confidence. And I want to start by asking a question about your relationship because you and Tom are amazing people, an amazing couple, and you have content out there about relationships on your show. And I'm curious because you've been together for what, 20 years now? We're about to celebrate a 20 year wedding anniversary. 20 year wedding anniversary. Yeah, so we've been together for 22 years. 22 years. But when you first got together, mm-hmm. neither of you had a big platform. You didn't have lots of money. There wasn't a big company. There wasn't a big exit. There was none of this. There was just you two connected, you know, living your lives in love, chasing dreams. And I'm curious about this. Has the massive success for both of you, or either one of you, tested the relationship in a big way? Or has the money, the followers, the the notoriety, the accomplishments done nothing to affect or test the relationship? Oh, that's such a great question. So here's the thing. I think any evolution is a test. Uh So whether it's on a grand scale of you're building a following, you're building a business, or just, hey, you've got a different job. Like everything like that becomes a, how are we going to maneuver this situation? Because it's different to what we Mm -hmm, used to. mm -hmm. So we've kind of done that all along the way from the point of like, my dad saying no to Tom, asking him if he could marry me. Yes. Okay, well, what does that look like going against the family, going against my culture, marrying someone that's outside of the Greek Orthodox um, religion? So, like, every step of the way, it, of course, it's absolutely been a challenge. Um, me starting my own show, I was always behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes. so I went from the supportive wife staying at home for eight years. Then I went to, I'll help you with this small startup company called Quest Nutrition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'll just help, babe. I'm a good supportive wife. What we didn't expect is it would grow at 57,000%. Mm-hmm. So in that growth, I started off as, I'm just going to help, to now I'm a full-time pledged, like, building out our shipping department. Mm-hmm. That transition of me taking care of him day in, day out. I mean, literally, Lewis, he'd wake up, his gym clothes were next to him. He'd go to the gym, his work clothes would were outside the bath so that when he got out of the shower, they were ready. He would go to work, I'd had to hand him a lunch. He'd come home, his dinner was ready. He didn't have to think about anything. And then I start Quest, or we start Quest, and now I'm full-time at Quest and trying to be a great stay-at-home wife. Mm-hmm. That navigation, I'm sure you know many people, we all try and do everything. Yeah. So first of all, I tried to navigate, how do I do it both perfectly? Yeah, it's not possible. 
It's not you possible know, to be one perfect, really, yeah. <laughs> no, you end up doing nothing perfect. Yeah. So that's ended up what happened. I ended up failing, feeling like I wasn't being a great housewife, being a great supportive wife, and that I wasn't actually crushing it at work. So I had to make a choice. Do I stay at home or do I take entrepreneurship? And I decided I loved exploring what I was made of, what I could do. So it's like, I want to work every day. So now back to your question, how the hell do I communicate with the love of my life that while mm -hmm. I love him more than life itself, I don't want to take care of him anymore. I don't want to cook for him anymore. I don't want to put his clothes out. Like it is not fulfilling. And that was one of, I think, our biggest tests that we had. Mm. And so it was how we handled that, how I came into the conversation, how we really sat down and just said, let's just communicate. This isn't about me doing something wrong, about you doing something wrong. This is just about emotions and feelings. And so how mm -hmm. do I go in this conversation and let him know how I'm feeling? Because right. I'm the one changing. I recognized I was the one that had gone from, hey, I'm going to support you, to now, I don't really want to take care of you at all. <laughs> well, not in those ways not, anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 We want to take care of him in other ways, by connection, intimacy, and love, and affection, but not... Yes. Yes. In the materialistic, your clothes are going to be put out, things yes, like that. Yes, yes. So we had to, like, it was a, you know, a learning... How long did that take until you felt like you were in a, a flow and a rhythm where he was fully in acceptance of that new role that you wanted to live into so here's the thing Lewis I think it always comes with you have to, we have to accept it first uh -huh. and I was trying to do both oh interesting yeah and until I could accept Lisa you have to make a choice there's no right or wrong mm -hmm. but you have to make a choice right now because you're not doing anything great and you're feeling like that that anxiousness where you're trying to do everything it's just not serving you and not serving your goals mm -hmm. so the first step was how do I communicate this with Tom so I kind of sat back and I said, what would I want him to say to me? So I'm changing the game. I'm now saying to him, hey, you know, when we got married, I said I wanted four children and I would take care of you. I now want zero children mm. and I don't want to take care of you when it comes to food and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I had to recognize I was changing the game. Interesting. And so what would I want someone to say to me if it was the other way around? You're changing essentially the ground rules. Essentially yeah. you said, I'm committing and promising to this lifestyle. Let's yes. say, I want kids, I want to be supportive and take care of you in this certain way. And that's what he signed up for. Yeah. Right? And yeah. that's what you signed up for. 100%. Not saying you can't do that, but what, how, how does someone have that conversation? Whether, you know, anyone in that relationship, you know, I said I wanted this before marriage. But now actually I want something completely opposite. Yeah, I love this question so much. So it's the first thing, give the gift that you would want. So for me, I would just want some, I would want Tom to come in and recognize that he's the one changing. Because there's some psychological trick. You know when someone comes in and is like, oh, I'm changing, you've got a problem now? What do you mean right, you've got a problem right, right. with that? Like there's that like, hang on a minute, you're kind of pushing me into a corner If he here. brought this to you and said, I want something different, you mean? He'd, yeah. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. I would want him to, to say, hey, babe, I recognize I'm the one changing. Uh -huh. There's going to be a change here. How do we do it together? Versus I'm changing and now you have to deal with it. Right. So I said, okay, first step is recognize I'm the one changing. Mm -hmm. Then go in and give him grace and space to have, a, have feelings about mm -hmm. it. Like he may hate it. He may, it may really upset him. But I can't control that. I need to give him the space to have that feeling. Right. So I sat down and I said, okay, babe, I recognize I'm changing, but this is making me so happy. Mm. I didn't voice how unhappy I was. That's on me. That's not really? him. I didn't voice how unhappy I was for eight years. 
But now I've recognized how unhappy I am because I've realized what I'm made of. You know, starting Quest and being a part of it and learning all these new skills. Like, it lights me up. Yes. And now I've seen the light. I can't go backwards. Right. And What would you say you were on a scale of one to 10? Let's call it the self-love scale. Before you made that decision and had that conversation with Tom, one being you didn't love yourself or have any confidence, 10 being you had a lot of self-love and a lot of confidence and inner peace, where would you have been on that scale? A one? Really? Yeah. One. Oh, my confidence was ridiculous. I, I, even as I'm telling you this, it's not that I had the confidence to say it. That's what radical confidence is all about. It's like, look, you may not feel amazing. You may mm -hmm. not feel confident in this thing. But in order to get to what you want in life, you have to take that step forward. Mm -hmm. And we all focus on wanting to feel great about doing something. And I just say, I'm not going to wait to feel great. So right now, I know I have to have this conversation with Tom. Yeah. I don't feel confident about having it, but I have the radical confidence, which means I need to have a game plan. Yes. I need to go in. I really need to think about it. I need to have steps of what I'm going to say, create words around it so that when I'm there, even if I don't have the confidence, I can still have the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. I literally went in and said, Give the man grace to have his feelings. Give him space to voice his opinion. Express to him that I was unhappy and I never said that to him. Right, so it wasn't on him. Correct. And then say why I'm making the change. And so I was like, this new entrepreneurship thing, babe. I was like, I've never felt so alive. I was like, I never felt so alive. I can't believe this is mm -hmm. my life. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm telling him this whole story of how I'm feeling, I was like, look, I recognize I'm changing. So right now you're used to me putting your clothes out for you to cook him every meal. So in order to show you the respect that I'm changing and that it's gonna be a difficult transition, there's always a transition, why don't I wean you off <laughs> Right. <laughs> me taking care of you? Yes. So we created the game plan. He's like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, well, hang next week, I'll just do six days a week instead of seven. Uh -huh. And then five. The week after, yeah. I'll do five. Then the week after, I'll do wow. four. Then the week after, I'll do three. And then, babe, because I, this is my language. I want to feel like an amazing wife. I want to cook for you on Saturdays and Sundays. So he was like, okay, that sounds good. If it's difficult along the way, I'll voice we'll my opinion. About it, yeah. yeah. So I was like, absolutely. Now, it got to the point where I was doing laundry like once a month because I was just like, it's not important. I spent mm -hmm. eight years of my life focused on do these socks match? Wow. Like that was, I was filling my days with tiny distractions about laundry, about going to Costco, about freaking matching socks. Mm. And so now I'm like, I don't care. It's not gonna move my life forward. And so making that decision, telling him, I don't freaking care if you've got clean underwear or not, ended up preparing us for the day where he was like, oh, I don't have any clean underwear. I guess I'm going commando. And so he goes to work commando because uh -huh. he's like, what's more important, a happy wife or a little discomfort. Was there ever a time in the first year or two of the marriage and in this agreement that you, you know, commitment that you made, I guess, that this is the vision you had for the marriage, where you were happier doing these things? Yeah. Where you were happy being that role that you wanted to be in or thought you wanted to be yeah, in? Yeah, no. Never. So here was what happened. When we first started, it was like we both wanted to make movies. We both uh -huh. had jobs in films and I, I was on set one day and I had an actor throw a matchbox at me in anger because I was holding out for the props department and I hadn't had, I didn't have another matchbox to replace it. And so he literally throws a matchbox at me and I was like, I'm filling in. Like you don't disrespect 
people like that. I literally mm-hmm. don't care who you are. You don't disrespect people like that. I don't deserve that. And so I went home and I, my heart was broken. Mm. Tom had a really bad experience in film as well. So we came to the conclusion, let's just make our own money. Louis, it should be easy, right? Let's just go out. <laughs> let's make enough money for a month, a year and a half, and then we'll make our own film. You mean start your own business? Yeah. yeah. Right. But back then, it was like, we didn't even know, like, sure. we didn't even have that word. It was like, let's just try and make enough money. So what we did in that moment is we said, cool, let's look at the world at large. Who are the most successful people and how do they live their lives? And what Tom had just read an article with Steve Jobs, where he talks about um, always wearing the same shirt, like uh-huh. black, because it's like, he doesn't want to freaking make one, spend one decision making on what he's going to wear. Because, yes. you know, we all have a certain amount of decision making we can make in a day with clarity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we were like, ah, what if I'm like your black shirt, the version of your black shirt, I'll make all decisions. I'll make all decisions outside of work. You go focus on work, and this is how we're going to make a lot of money in a year and a half. So we pinky swore. It was like a deal. It was like, I can handle that. I I can cook and clean for a year and a half. Because it was all in the bigger service of making movies. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. How many of us get stuck in a pattern? Mm. How many of us get used to a certain way of doing life? And the mindset that we tell ourselves, I should be doing this. Mm -hmm. And my upbringing, being a Greek Orthodox, I fell into a habit that my parents told me I would fall into in the sense of my dad said, you're going to be a stay-at-home wife. I don't care what you study in at university. You're going to be a, home wife, a stay-at-home wife in a way. Right. Eventually, you're going to play Eventually, that role. Yeah. yeah. So like these small subliminal messages that I got from my dad, that I got from my grandmother, that I got from every which way growing up, that being a Greek woman meant I was going to be a stay-at-home wife. When I found myself in that position, I started to find ways that I could self-soothe. Mm-hmm. What were those self-soothing ways? It becomes distractions. So I kept, kept telling myself, it's for the greater good, Lisa, it's the greater good. Uh, do, it's just for a year and a half, it's for the greater good. You know, and that be, turns into eight years. That turns into eight years. Because, and I don't know about you, but do you, you play poker? Sometimes. Okay, yeah, yeah. but you know like the phrase pot committed? Yes. Well, you've, already, you're, 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 you've already invested enough yeah. money and you're like, well, I do have enough money for another hand, but God, I've put so much money into it, screw it, might as well put it all in. Uh-huh. Even if your hand's bad. Yes. Because you're like, well, I'm pot committed. <laughs> I did that every single year. Mm. So Tom kept coming home. He kept saying, babe, I just need another year and a half. I start, remember, start feeling like, well, I'm the good supportive wife, of course, babe, of course, babe. So I'm, so I'm reassuring myself emotionally that I'm the good supportive wife. Of course, it's just for another year and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm self-soothing by telling myself it's just another year and a half. And any time I think, should we really be doing this? I start using the idea that, well, you've come this far. You can't fail now. Mm. But you're pot committed, Lisa. I literally want to like punch myself in the face. <laughs> because when I think about how many more years I spent doing something that I wasn't satisfied in, that I was unhappy, because I'd already spent so many years. Right. Like, that's such a, oh, it's a heartbreaking mindset. So it wasn't like it was his fault or something for no. saying, this is what I'm looking to do, and you've been amazing. Thank you for supporting me. This is what you said you were going to do anyways, so this is working out in his mind, right? Yeah. But for you, you were realizing you're at a one or a two, maybe on a good day, most of those years on self-love, self-confidence, right? A hundred percent. So it, it wasn't was- until you spoke up, really. Yeah, it was all me, 100%. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. I always thought, how on earth can I say I'm not, I need a new life or mm. I need a different life? Like, how ungrateful am I right now when my husband's going out? Busting his butt every day. Yeah. Bust, right. I didn't have to work. I was a stay-at-home with support. Like, I had 
when I think about the world and how much hardship there is on certain people, how ungrateful am I to ask mm. for more, Lewis? And mm. here's the thing that I'm really finding struggling with, with gratitude. I use gratitude every day to self-soothe. I've got a roof over my head. How lucky am I? I've got a husband that loves me. How lucky am I? And at the same time, any time I thought of moments where of unhappiness, I kept using the gratitude and it kept me there. Kept you staying there, Kept yeah. me there for eight years. Mm -hmm. So, like, that really, like, haunts me because I think gratitude can be amazing. I think it puts a... A new perspective on your life, right? If you're feeling like, why me? You know, you've got a victim mentality. I think thinking of um, the positive is a beautiful way of reframing yes. things. Of saying, yes, this is going terrible in my life, but look at all this amazing stuff. But it also can absolutely derail you from asking for a better life. Mm -hmm. And what I realized after my entire journey and even writing this book is you can be absolutely in love with certain parts of your life. You can be head over heels in a relationship and freaking hate your business. Mm -hmm. And you have every right to ask for more. You have every right to want more. And I didn't think I did. And I didn't think I deserved to. And so for eight years, I was just waiting for when. I was mm. waiting for when my husband was happy. Sure. When we made enough money. When I felt confident enough to speak up about my unhappiness. And as we all know, the when sometimes never comes. <laughs> right. Well, it sounds to me like there was no mission that you had. No mission. It was like, okay, I'm here to do this supportive role, but there wasn't a, a mission or a purpose moving forward. Like there wasn't kids in the future. There wasn't something you were building together is what I'm hearing, right? Well, we were building something together. And I think that that's... That's the problem, is that we can convince ourselves we're still moving towards that goal. And so for eight years, I kept convincing myself, but Lisa, you're still moving towards the goal. You're earning more money. You're earning more money. Mm -hmm. One day you'll be able to make movies. And that's, I think, where the problem lies. Right. So it was all for the fact of making a movie together yeah. eventually. Interesting. What do you wish you would have told yourself every night to check in or assess the conversations you needed to be having differently? that you don't need to have confidence to speak up and say what you really want in life. Mm. Like confidence is like the byproduct. It's like right. you're really freaking scared about doing something. You try it, you, fa you fail, you fall on your face, you embarrass yourself, you learn the lesson, you pick yourself back up and you know, you like rinse and repeat and you keep going. And as you keep going, as you keep falling on the floor, getting yourself back up, learning the lesson, you build competence. Mm -hmm. Once you get the competence, mm -hmm. then you slowly get the confidence. So the confidence comes afterwards. And what I was waiting for is I was waiting to feel good about myself. I was waiting for that freaking negative voice in my head. I literally was waiting for her to stop talking. I was waiting for her to be nicer. And what I didn't realize is it wasn't coming. And right. so I had to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. But to my point is telling someone, yeah, I know you're scared, but do it anyway. It doesn't help. When you've got anxiety, when you're depressed, when you're like really in your own head, telling someone to do something doesn't help. What should you tell them instead? You need a game plan. Mm -hmm. You need to step back and actually think about things. So the... Um, the analogy I kind of use, or not the analogy, but the example I use is when I was going to step on stage for the first time. I've seen you, Mel Robbins, my husband, Ed Milet, like you guys are amazing. When, when was this first time? Do you remember? So this was probably four years ago. Uh-huh. Maybe three and a half. Which event was so, this? Well, so I kept getting asked to get on stage. <laughs> and I was like, are you joking? Like, why would I ever do that? It uh -huh. looks like it's the most scariest thing on the world. It's terrifying. If it's, you've never done it, like I remember when I first started, it was terrifying for years. Right. 
But why would you do it then, Lewis? It's like, that's how I, I felt. Well, I did it because I had a meaningful mission. I had okay. a mission that I wanted to serve and impact people and be of service to helping people improve. And I knew that I needed to use my voice in some way, whether it be, you know, I wasn't a movie maker, so that could mm-hmm. be a way of expressing yourself. I was like, I'm not that great of a writer. <laughs> I got to learn how to speak and communicate a message. So that's what when I started it. Okay. But. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. Seeing someone like you on stage, seeing someone like my husband on stage when you've got the mission uh-huh. is amazing. But even if I have the mission, how do I actually step on I stage? Know. It's hard. It's so scary. It's terrifying. And so telling people, we'll just do it, or like, it's terrifying, but you'll figure it out. It didn't help me. And so I said, I think I'm like so many other people because I can't just do it. And so I had to have a game plan. That's what I call radical confidence. So Uh I stepped back and I said, all right. So in fact, Tom was the first one that said to me, Lisa, babe, you keep saying, like we, at this point we had a mission, we'd built impact theory and our mission is to impact people. So he's like, you realize that you keep saying no to these speaking gigs and you realize it's getting in the way of the mission that you said to impact. Mm. He's like, no pressure, it's your life. But I just, as your partner, I'm going to be honest with you. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So I had to sit back and I was like, all right, 
Stepping on stage, would that serve my mission, yes or no? Yes, okay. Not stepping on stage, why am I not doing it? Because I'm petrified. All right, with no judgment now, <laughs> what is more important, my ego or oh, my goals? Right. That's it. Yeah. Just ask yourself, with no judgment. It's not about other people. Mm-hmm. You don't have to ever get on stage, Lisa. This isn't about other people and how good everyone else is and how much other people can step on stage. This is just about you looking nakedly at the situation and making a decision. So I said, impact is more important than my ego. Right. Okay, great. How do I use that to now step on stage? Okay, I've got my North Star. What is the voice in my head so worried about? Like, let the ego speak. What is it worried about? Lisa, you don't know what the hell you're going to do on stage. All right, ego. Actually, you're right. So I call it, I have a chapter, it's like turn your negative voice from your B to your BFF. Because it's like she would be crippling and now I treat it like my best friend. How can I listen to her? Like a friend. Uh-huh. I know what you're saying yes. isn't very nice, but as a friend, you want what's best for me. So mm-hmm. tell me, what, am I, what, what do I need to know? You're going to get a stage and you have no idea what you're doing. Okay, great. The, ne- the, the negative voice is telling me to prepare. I better freaking prepare. So I sat down. I had coaching sessions for my husband. I booked time with him. I was like, all right, babe, I need you to coach me. Help me. I did my speech. I read it in front of him. I kept booking meetings with him where I'd read to him in mm-hmm. real time. I then had my whole team there where practicing, I would practice. Yeah. So now I'm allowing the negative voice in my head, the thing that my ego that is worried I'm going to embarrass myself, that is worried that I'm going to be shameful, that I'm going to fall on my face. I'm letting her speak. I'm taking the message. I'm learning the lesson and I'm using it. Mm -hmm. So, okay, great practice. Amazing. Next thing, what is the negative voice saying? Even if you're prepared, how on earth are you going to step on stage? Because you've got imposter syndrome. Okay, great. What are the tools I can get and put on or use to my advantage because I know I need my emotions to boost me on stage? Mm -hmm. All right. Instead of just saying do it anyway, come up with a game plan. Number one, I know music empowers me. Put on Destiny's Child. I'm a survivor and I dare anyone at home to not feel the fire lit up under their butt. Uh So number one, find a song, find your uh, your hype song. So I had my song ready. Had... What, do you, what happens when you give a kid a cape, Lewis? They act like a superhero. Immediately, right? Yeah. They've got the fist in the air. As kids, we associate clothing with how we feel. Mm-hmm. Think symbols, but we don't do that as adults. Well, look at my hair. Right. Look at my necklace, my Wonder Woman necklace. Even this watch, which you guys mentioned when I first yeah. sat. It's kind of like my Wonder Woman cuffs. Yeah. And so what I do is I have a uniform and I lean into it. This mm-hmm. isn't accidental. Every time I put on this cheapy Wonder Woman necklace for like a month, every time I would put it on, I would repeat to myself, you're a badass like Wonder Woman. Repetition creates habit. So mm. what I ended up doing is creating, created a habit of every time now I put this on, I'm telling myself a message. Mm. So I lent into all of these things. Yeah. And I was like, what's your uniform to go on stage? So now I've got my uniform. I've got my hair. And then the final thing is my bad bitch boots. Okay. So these are, knee, these are knee-high boots that I didn't accidentally call them bad bitch boots. I deliberately gave them a name that every time I would put them on would make me feel a certain way. You do this leading up to the event. Well, it doesn't have to be boots. It can be anything. But every time I did, I would zip them up, Lewis, and I would be like, yeah, my bad bitch boots. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So that as I'm getting dressed to go on stage... What am I telling myself automatically now as I'm getting ready? I've got my Wonder Woman necklace. I've got my bad boots on. I've got my hype song with, you know, that I'm listening yes. to on stage. And then the final little, like, little things that I did was I set an alarm in my phone. 
any motivating alarm that you want. I closed my eyes. I did, you got this, with like a little emoji.、Uh-huh. And I closed my eyes and I spun it. And for a month, I had it go off at random times. Now, sometimes it's obviously inappropriate times, it's in the middle of a meeting or an interview, <laughs> but literally it would be random moments because what I wanted to do is subliminally tell myself at any moment, catch me off card, that I got this.、Mm-hmm. So that when I'm going、That's、on、cool. stage, it, none of it was by accident. I needed the game plan. Now, the final thing was I let the voice speak, and the voice was saying, But what if you freeze?、Mm-hmm. You've seen it, I've seen it so many times where someone's on stage and they mess up and they freeze. You、oh. feel uncomfortable for、oh, them. Oh, so、right? bad, yeah. It's so heartbreaking. So I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to make it. Like, that would be really heartbreaking for me. So come up with a game plan. You've heard the thing that you're worried about. Now find something else to do in order to mitigate that. So I was like, all right, what can I do? <gasps> Kids, when they fall on the floor, what do they do? They look at their parent. To like kind of see, should I be crying right now or am I okay? You know, and the parent, if the parents chill, the kids like,、oh, okay, I guess I'm fine. So they all look to you. So I said, if I'm nervous, if I'm tense, and of course everyone else is going to be tense. So I needed a game plan that if I froze, what am I going to do? I said to myself, Lisa,、mm-hmm. laugh. That was it.、Right. Just laugh at your mistake. I don't know how I'm going to laugh or why I'm going to laugh, but that、Just、was my instruction.、Laughing. Just、yeah. start laughing at your mistake. Because everyone knows you've messed up. So to hide it, Only makes everyone else more tense. So that was my game plan. I'm gonna laugh. As soon as I get on stage, I'm like three minutes in. You start laughing. <laughs> I tell them, well, I made them a huge error. I start telling a story about my,、um, my grandparents. And I say, when my dad gave birth to my grand- grandmother, which、uh. of course was a massive error. <laughs> and I was like, well, that would be weird. And I just started laughing. Everyone started laughing too.、Mm-hmm. And I moved on.、There、and no、go. one. Remembered it. Like、yeah. everyone else moved on too. So, did I give it my best?、Yeah. Because even the serving someone makes me nervous. Because、right. it's like, what if I didn't? Now I'm just like, listen. Do your best, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, even with this book, so when Tom came to me, he, you know, we had the whole thing behind the scenes about like Tom had the book offer and was、mm-hmm. he going to take it or not? And then he said no.、Um, but then he, they hit Tom up and said, would Lisa be interested in、wow. writing a book? So, he comes into my office one day during COVID and he's like, babe, Like, they just asked if you want to write a book. That's big. And I was like, I was at my computer. I was like, oh, that's nice. And I went back to typing. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? He's like, babe, did you hear what I just said? Like, they just asked if you want to write a book. I said, yeah, I just said that's very sweet. He goes, why are you being so freaking like nonchalant about it? This is a big deal. The words that came out of my, now- my mouth was, who would buy a book from me? Interesting. Now, this is a year and a half ago. I've already、wow. built a billion dollar company. Impact Theory has like over half a billion views on our Women content. Women of Impact Women, is blowing up. Yeah, yeah, all of that. And yet I still had the negative mindset or the negative voice in my head that, would, that says that. So the great news is I just embrace her now. I'm like, oh, the 14 year old insecure Lisa、mm-hmm. is still there. That's amazing. It's okay. I got you. We're going to do this together. Like I kind of coach myself. And then, I, to your point about like serving someone, I was so stressed about what if no one, like, what if it doesn't create impact?、Mm. And I was like, I have to reframe how I think right now.、Yes. Because right now, I think I would hold my identity and my worth to if it actually changes someone's life. So now I'm looking external for the validation. And I was like, that's a dangerous place、Very、to be a loser. So now I have to do the internal work before I even release the book.、Yes. What does the internal work look like? All right, number one, did you do your research? You went in as a novice. Don't pretend you know your shit. You went in not knowing what you're doing. You've never written a book before. 
So go in with the grace that you've never written a book and now research. So I called up a lot of our friends. Like I literally had like 10 questions. Mm-hmm. Mel Robbins, sure. Marie Forleo. Like, I'm like, all right, guys, what are the things I don't know? What are the traps I'm about to get into? What's the biggest surprise? What's the most amazing thing? And I just did my research. I made a promise to myself. Cool. Step two, give it your all. Yes. Because if I've given it my all, and we all know if we've given it our all, right? We can't con ourselves. You may be able to con everyone else. Mm-hmm. Say, oh my God, I gave it everything. But when you're alone at night, you know whether you actually did give it your all. Right. So I was like, if I can, when I'm alone, be proud that I gave it every ounce of me, that I didn't make excuses, that I didn't give all the reasons why I didn't show up. Mm-hmm. If I know that I gave it everything, I've left it all out on the table. There's nowhere else for me to go. And by golly, I can be proud of that. I went from the person that said, who the hell would buy a book from me? And I freaking wrote a book. Mm. I need to be proud of that. Yes. And so every step of the way over the year of writing the book, I kept going back to make sure you don't get external validation or your worth tied to the, the results of whether this book does well or not. And that's how I've actually coached myself over this last year. I've done the foundation to where you now see me, where it's like, I've got a book. I don't know if it will do well, but I'm so freaking mm-hmm. proud. And here's that's great. the last thing. If it totally tanks, you better believe I'm going to say, oh, why did it tank? Let me take out my book and let me add you know, my little notepad and let me write down all the ways in which I've learned of why it tanked. Everyone wants to do the thing well that they're doing. So how do they overcome the anxiety or the stress of the results? when they put their life into something. Yeah, I think it's like, you really have to process it beforehand. You have to actually assess what, you know, it's like people just like, I wanna be successful, I wanna be happy. What does that actually mean? Mm -hmm. Like, what does success actually mean to you? Like, you have to be so, you have to define it so much so that you know what that North Star is. Because let's say, People are listening, they have a goal in mind. They have to know exactly precisely what that goal is. For me, the goal was, write a book that creates impact. Uh-huh. Now look, attach that. I'd love for it to be in New York Times number one, but that is so tan- That is so me looking outside of myself and there's a certain element of I can't control it, right? Of course, you can come in with all the intention. What are my marketing strategies? Yes. How am I gonna do this? Who am I gonna hit? Like all of that, be very intentional. But at the end of the day, no matter how much intention you have, the success is never guaranteed. This mm-hmm. was actually something that Tom taught me. Right. He's like, the, the, the struggle is for certain. The results aren't guaranteed. So now, are you enjoying the journey? Are you enjoying the struggle every step? So to your point of reminding yourself, but why did you do this? Mm-hmm. You needed to get it mm-hmm. out of you. And those are the things that I think are very imperative to establish before you get started. Because let's face it, failure freaking stings, no matter how much, Mm -hmm. right? No matter how successful you are, failure still stings. And so making sure you don't allow that failure to cripple you, making sure you don't allow that failure to keep you stuck, to me, is my main goal. Like literally, that is my North Star. Whatever you try, Lisa, you cannot um, use the success or the failure Mm -hmm. to dictate what you're gonna do next. And so for me, it's like, how do I reframe failure? How do I think of failure? How do we process failure? That's such an important like thing for us, I think, to do, so that if it happens, you're not left not knowing, like not having a strategy and actually thinking it's about you. Yes. You've got this book coming out. Women of Impact has been crushing. You know, you've been extremely successful independently yourself with your own identity outside of 
what it used to be in the marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Has success, your success, tested the relationship? Yes. In the last, you know, few years since you've kind of been blowing up now. So it's interesting. When uh, the reason why I said yes is <laughs> I didn't actually think realize that you were going to say saw it like as in popularity. When I was behind the camera and I stepped in uh, and I stepped in front of the camera like the first or second time. Tom, literally in front of the entire company, he's like, my wife's going to be bigger than me and I have zero problem with it. Uh, he's like, mark my words. He wants it. Uh-huh. He's like, he he doesn't love being in front of the camera. Like, he's very good at it, but he loves the impact. Yes. The camera is just the tool for him. Uh-huh. Um, I freaking love like this, just hanging with you and like the idea of creating impact and staring at the camera. Like, this could create like who knows where this can go Mm -hmm. right that is such excitement and beauty to me so the size and popularity no but when i went from being a housewife who supported him to being an entrepreneur that was a big struggle for us Mm -hmm. because what happened was when quest was growing our first facility was in compton and tom being very passionate and big brothering for a kid who lived in the inner cities he said it was very important for us to help the inner city people Mm -hmm. so he when we started quest we put out a call and we said we don't care about your background we don't care if you've got a if you're an ex-convict we don't care all we care about is who are you today and who are you willing to become and are you willing to work hard Mm -hmm. and that's it so now we put a call out and so literally we had lines and lines and lines of people that were looking for a job so flash forward quest grows 57,000 percent I've now got a facility, about 10,000 square feet, 40, four zero employees underneath me within two years. Wow. I went from shipping on my living room floor, not knowing how to be a boss, to then 40 employees. Now, a lot of them are ex-convicts, a lot of them are much bigger than me, yeah. right? They're, they're like your stature. Sure. I'm five foot one. You can like pick me up with your pinky. <laughs> <laughs> so what I thought, bad advice, but what I thought I should do is go in there and be aggressive because show them you can't be pushed around Lisa that's the only way I know how and a lot of the female entrepreneurships back then as well this is like 2010 ish uh-huh. 11 um were all about basically don't show emotion and you have to be like mm, a dude right. and so I went in there going thinking okay I'm not going to get pushed around and so I'm going to go there and I'm going to bark orders and I'm going to tell them you know I'm, I'm a stern you know you can't push me around Now, A, you can imagine that didn't motivate any of my team. That was a total disaster. And what that ended up doing, it started to harden me. Mm. And one day, Tom pulled me aside in our person when we got home. And he said, babe, I love you, but you're hardening. And you're hardening to a point where now you're bringing this into our relationship. And he said, and look, let's talk about it. I understand why you need to harden, because business is tough. So let's actually talk about it. But I want to talk about the lovely, sweet wife that I miss. Mm. And he's like, if you bring too much hardness to our relationship, he's like, it doesn't compute with me. He's like, I love your softness. I love that you care. I love that you have this big heart. Mm -hmm. And because you're starting to soften in business, you're starting to lose the softness in our relationship. Right. And so let's talk about that. And I was like, yeah, that's very fair. I love to be, like, I love it when he, like, wraps me around his arms or like he carries me because my feet are sore <laughs> like like i love the fact that he's six foot like mm-hmm. i love that about him and so i was like oh you know what as a relationship a it, you need to have space where your partner can say the truth even if you don't agree like maybe i, I want to be hard yeah. but i have to give him space to be heard so i heard him out 
And initially, I was defending. I was like, but you don't understand why I have to be hard. You know, it's okay for you. You're a guy. People respect you and blah, you know. And I gave every uh-huh. reason why. And he's like, babe, I'm not saying like this isn't a, a skill set you need to you need to grow. Of course you do. You have to, you know, dominance is going to be very important mm-hmm. in business. But how do we navigate navigate what you're doing in business and our relationship? And so we just started. I was like, okay, that's very fair. When I come home, how do I soften? Because I like to be soft. Yeah. So I had to figure out what that strategy was. And so to the strategy that I sort of how on earth I suit up to get on stage, I now do the opposite to soften. Mm-hmm. So literally, if I want to be a big ball of mush, which I really do enjoy being around my husband, <laughs> um, you've seen me around yes. him. I'm like, I'll sit on his lap and whatever. I do the opposite. I take my jewelry off. I put my hair up. I wear Wonder Woman fluffy pajama bottoms. Or like, in fact, I wear onesies. We have matching onesies that we wear every Saturday. Mm-hmm. And we match onesies That's because fine. I want to feel that emotional connection with him on a personal level. Yeah. And so to be able to transition with work, your, your, your partner being your business partner for like 15 years to how do you keep that spark alive mm-hmm. and the romance alive, mm-hmm. it's because you need to know how to navigate the two where your strengths and weaknesses are, what those tactics are that you're going to use when you need to turn to them. Because sometimes I've gone balls to the freaking wall all day in business and I'm like, a, you know, I've, I've got hard because all day all I'm doing is making decisions. And now I go and come home and I've got my husband give, wanting to give me a big squishy hug. How do I transition from one to the other? Knowing how to, having those mm-hmm. tactics, testing yourself. You know, what I can say will be different for you or, you know, your listeners at home, but you need to try things. Like yeah. I said, for me, it really was undoing the hair, the makeup, mm-hmm. the jewelry, taking deep Changing breaths, the uniform. Changing the uniform. Yeah, yeah. How has your mindset shifted? Do you feel like you have created more confidence or more self-love or more belief in yourself as the money started to come for both you and Tom in your life, where, where you really didn't have a lot beforehand, mm-hmm. you had some, you're working or he was working, but it wasn't like the amount of wealth that you guys created with Quest and yeah. Impact Theory and everything you guys have built together. How did the accumulation of wealth change your beliefs about yourself? Oh, that's such a big question. That's such a good question, Lewis. Okay. You went from a, an apartment, I'm assuming, yeah. to a house, to to a bigger house, to so, you know, number in your bank account going way up, to being able to buy things now, lots of great things. Yeah. How did that shift? So I really thought, when we're successful, mm-hmm. when we're rich, I'm going to feel like it, everything's going to be okay. Because you look at successful, wealthy people, and you're like, you at least for me, can't speak for other people, I admire them. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, look at that watch. Like, look at that thing, right? Like, oh my God, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm going to feel great when I have it. So because you think that about that person, you think that that's how you're going to feel when you get there. So I'm going to take you back. Quest is announced as a billion dollar company, but we all know until you actually make any sales. You don't make any money. You literally don't yeah. make any money. You're just money. getting a salary and some bonuses. Yeah. yeah. Tom and I were still sharing the same Ford Focus with a hole in the exhaust when Quest was announced as a billion dollar company. Uh-huh. So everyone thinks you're wealthy, but we literally had, you know, the, Tom's salary and that was it. So we go to sell a very small portion of Quest. And so these things take months and months. Right, and right. Months. How much did you guys, what was the percentage? Um, that- I think it was like 9% at the beginning. 
that you guys had total? That we sold. sold. So gotcha. yeah. So there's three business partners, Tom yeah. and then the other. They split it three ways. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So we split like 9% or something, like gotcha. 11%. I can't remember how much. This was a while ago. Um, so it's a small percent. So you're still taking massive ownership over it, but it was still a hell of a lot of money. Absolutely. So now that sort of thing takes months and months and months. So we didn't want to talk about it. We didn't tell anybody that mm-hmm. we were trying to sell a bit because you never know what's going to happen. So one day we hear rumors that today is going to be the When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. There's so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off that the money comes in yes like there's a wire transfer of this much money our fourth focus (laughs) is still sitting in the drive right and we hear these rumors from our finances that the money is about to come in so we're working in our makeshift garage gym and in between reps tom's like all right babe refresh refresh no, nothing yet. Oh, so we're man. like going through it. Refresh, refresh. And literally one button, refresh, boom. boom, your life changes. Wow. And in that moment, I was like, oh my God. And so we hugged, we took a couple of selfies. And then what did we do, Lewis? We got back up and went back to work. Yeah. And in that moment, because the first of all, I was like, babe, where are you going? Yeah, we're going to celebrate. He goes, we've got to get back to work. Our, life, our, our mission isn't done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're right. And in that moment, it was such a beautiful realization because we had had a mission. So we were chasing money. We said, stop chasing money. Now let's chase something that's actually predicated on passion, desire, and value add. That was Quest Nutrition. So we flipped our mindsets. We stopped chasing money. Mm-hmm. And in the effort of stop chasing money, it led to us creating money. But because of we'd already developed a mission, we'd already developed our why, we knew why we were getting out of bed every day, that didn't change just because our bank account did. Now look, I'm not going to pretend. It was amazing, right? We didn't tell anybody, and about two days later or something, we went shopping. And it was like... (laughs) Get whatever you want, yes. So it was like, get. that's amazing. I'm never going to BS anyone. It was a dream come true. It was wonderful. But it didn't change how I felt about myself. Mm -hmm. It didn't change my mission. Did you believe you were deserving and worthy of the money? I don't really think like that. I don't really know what that means because when it says deserving, there are people out there that have a harder life than I do, that Mm. work harder to provide for their family than I do. So it's hard for me to say deserve. We work freaking hard for it. Mm -hmm. We sacrificed. So do I think that it was, you know, 
well-placed maybe, sure. You know, it's hard for me sure, to kind sure, of sure. answer that. It really did become a, when you get what you think you want, when you go to bed at night, how do you feel about this stuff? And it was the same. It was just in more expensive bed sheets. Right. You know, and the nicer car. And, yeah, yeah. The negative voice is still there. The person saying that you're not good, it's still there. The imposter syndrome is still there. It's just in a nicer house. So you still felt like an imposter? Oh my God, of course. Yeah. What was the imposter voice? I still felt voice? like I was helping my husband out. Mm. What year was this? 2015. Okay, so about seven years ago. Yeah. So, so what was the voice in your head at that time? When this massive number hits the bank account, what is that imposter that, voice saying to you? Even though at this point I had, you know, I was um, had forty employees underneath right, me, ten thousand right. square foot, literally went from shipping bars in my on my living room floor to that, mm-hmm. and then imposter, imposter syndrome was is that my husband and his business partners earned uh, uh, the money, and I was a good help. So yeah. that's what you were saying to yeah, yourself, gotcha. yeah. And so even that like took work and you know internal work and you know like the value what value do you bring to the table just because your name is on that piece of paper as like you know a founder because those three were it's like you've brought you know to really coach myself through but you've sacrificed you've given mm-hmm. every hour of every day literally I was working 12 13 hours a day um, so to really believe in myself that I had earned that was very hard but it was important for me to do um, and then the idea of in the grind when things are hard and you're asking yourself, what the hell are we doing this all for? Like, why? Tom and I would drive around Beverly Hills in our crappy car and we would like point out all the houses we would buy. And we were like, I like this style. No, 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 I like this style. And then eventually the money comes to our account and we actually can buy the house that we're like the roads that mm-hmm. we're touring. So it's like the biggest dream come true. And in that moment, it was like I wanted a waterfall. So I'm a 90s chick. I love hip hop (laughs) and I love 90s. And so I was like always joking, but really serious. I was like, babe, I want to do like our own version of a 90s hip hop music video. I want a waterfall. I want Dom Perignon bottle. Like I want to pour it down me in a sexy outfit. I want you to film me. Like that was the dream. I have to emotionally tie to a dream. It can't just be like a house. It has to be like the feeling of getting the house. So I had this vision, we finally get the house, it finally has a freaking waterfall, dude. We get the keys, we got a bottle of Dom Perignon, Tom's got a photo, he's taking a photo of me, I'm taking a swig of the, the um, champagne. And that was the moment my health and my gut felt like it, exp- you know, obviously I've had health issues. Mm-hmm. That was the moment. Really? That same moment that we were celebrating the biggest achievement Come of on. our lives. Really? It's so cliche. Why was that the moment, do you think? So I think I'd had 15 years of gut issues. I was ignoring them, ignoring them, ignoring them. I was priding myself on the grind. I wasn't priding myself on the self-care. So for years and years, I was getting sicker and sicker because I wasn't replenishing my gut. Mm. I had a very unhealthy relationship with food. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't having fat. I wasn't eating carbs. I thought I had to be as skinny as possible. So all this unhealthy relationship... I was getting sick because I was working a lot. I wasn't replenishing. And so I was getting a lot of antibiotics. Mm. And so for like years and years and years, I was taking three to four, five times a year antibiotics. Um, And I really think it got to the point where I'd push myself into the ground and the bubbly and the alcohol. I think it was just that moment. Wow. And I think, and it literally, from them, it felt like it erupted. I didn't tell Tom, because of course I'm trying to be strong. Sure. So I'm like, babe, I'll be back in a second. I run to the bathroom 
and I literally cannot get, I'm like, what the hell is happening to me? My gut is in like so such disarray. But my husband's so excited for it. So of course, of course, what do I tell myself? Just push through it. Right. Don't tell him, push through it, it's a celebration. And I was like, all right, if I just get straight into this, the swimming pool, then I'll be able to hide my pain. Oh man. So I get out, I'm like trying to pretend, I'm like rushing into the swimming pool, and just the water pressure was too unbearable. Ooh. And that's when I'm like, babe, I don't know what's wrong. From That was six years ago. Wow. Six years ago. I'm still on my journey of healing my gut. Wow. Just to give perspective to everybody. Wow. For a whole year, I couldn't eat more than like four or five ingredients. It was like beef, salt, coconut oil, and chicken. I was 20 pounds lighter than I am now. Wow. My hair was falling out. My nails were brittle. And you want to talk about my relationship with my husband. I started feeling like I wasn't sexy. I could barely hug him, let mm. alone any intimacy. You've got to understand what that does to a woman's emotions, how I felt about myself. Mm -hmm. Tom was so supportive. Wow. But I felt like I wasn't bringing, you know, um, beauty to our relationship. That was me. That wasn't him. Sex was out the window. Mm. And it was like, I couldn't even stand up at five minutes at a time. And wow. on the outside, we had like, just literally were celebrating Quest being a billion dollar company and one of the most um, fastest growing nutrition companies in the world. And here I am, I can't even eat. I pretended I didn't tell anybody. Mm. For months, wow. I didn't tell anyone. So sorry, I know that was a long story, no. but really going back to your point of, I remember the day that my success changed. And that was the most beautiful lesson I, like if I can look back, right? Like we think it was Tony Robbins, but I use uh -huh. it all the time. How can I make the most horrific thing be the best thing that's ever happened to me? Yeah. In that moment, I Give, was tested. Giving it meaning, yeah. Yeah. And in that moment, I was tested. And it was like, you can't, I mean, like I said, I'm still struggling six years later. And, but how can that moment be the best thing that's ever happened to me? Number one, I took ownership. I did it to my gut. Mm -hmm. I was the one that had a bad relationship with food. I was the one that was taking the antibiotics. Mm -hmm. And for so long, I was like, it's the doctor's fault. It's the expert's fault. It's this, that person's fault. Taking ownership over my health changed everything, not just for my health, but in the way that I see business, in the way that I see my relationship. Now, every time something goes wrong, the very first thing I ask myself is, how can I take ownership over mm -hmm. this? How was this my own doing? So that changed my whole health, that changed my business. Every time now something goes wrong in the business, whether it's an employee that has royally screwed up, I literally, will, before I say anything, it's like, what's my ownership in yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, I know that feeling. And so that just changed everything. Uh -huh. And then it also changed my idea of success. It really did. And so when I got, thank God, like I don't know how I would think about success if that hadn't happened to me. I don't know how I would think about money if that didn't happen to me. How do you think about it now? I don't give a shit. Like, I love it, of course. It allows me to create content, right? It allows me to impact people. It allows me to do all the things that I do every day. If ever I was coming into conflict with my relationship, I wouldn't think twice about mm -hmm. it. If ever it was coming into conflict of me feeling good about myself, I wouldn't think about it. Like, that's what I mean by it doesn't dictate who I am and how I show up every day. It's an amazing facilitator. Amazing. And I'm such an advocate for wealth creation. I never, I think it's BS. Like, oh, yeah. like, no, no, it can do beautiful things. It really can. So I'm not going to BS anyone. But money in and of itself is like a superpower. You can use it for good or you can use it for evil. It's your choice. Right. 
And so for me, it's like it can be it's so beautiful because I'm able to create beautiful things out of it. But it doesn't have a reflection of how I feel about myself, who I am and how I show up every day. And I don't know if it would have. It may have done that if my gut didn't fall apart. Interesting. I'm never a fan of changing the past, but let's say you could hypothetically give yourself three lessons that you learned from the day you got married until now. And hypothetically, you could speak to yourself a week before you got married. Yeah. From this standpoint <laughs> to 20 years ago, I guess it was, when you're 20, 20 something years ago, when you're your 20th year anniversary. And you could say whatever lessons that you wanted to share, you know, three things that you just wish you had the skills around, the tools around, or you wish you had the, the hindsight then to think about. What would you say to your younger self right before you got married? going in those next eight years before this started the transition? I don't think I would change anything. And I don't know if that's a cop-out because I can't change anything. Or, in fact, no, I don't think it's a cop-out. I think I use it as a way for my mind to stay strong because I need to believe I am who I am today because of all everything that's happened. Of course, of course. And so even going back then, I think the thing is just like, it's okay. Like, I... I got in my head so much when I was younger of like, can I be perfect? How can I be the best wife? How can I make sure that um, I am, you know, that I'm bringing value to people's lives? Like I put so much pressure on myself of always being like the perfect person. And if something goes wrong, it's a reflection of who I am. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned is Mm. when failure happens or something goes wrong, it actually is a reflection of who you are, but not in the way that we think it is. I think, I used to think failure was a reflection of how bad I was at things and I don't want people to see it. But now I think failure is a reflection of the fact that I'm willing to go after something. Mm. I like that. And so I think I would go back and tell myself that. Number one, every time you fail or you fall on your face, just know it's a reflection that you're trying to do something in your life. Also that you're a work in progress, always and forever. Even, you know, who you see today in a year, in two years, in three years, in four years, I want to be growing. So even like we, I shared that story earlier about, you know, I wanted four children. Mm-hmm. I've accepted this is my life mm-hmm. and that who I say I am today may not be who I am next year. Right. And that's okay. Because it changed then, it could change again. Of course. Right. And even that with my husband, right, with Tom, it's like, yes, he's an extremely ambitious man. But what if tomorrow he decided he didn't want to be ambitious anymore? Like, I would 100% accept that. We would have to navigate what that means, what change that makes to our lives. But we encourage each other to change, to evolve, to adapt. And going back to your question, when I was younger, I never would have. I'd be like, no, 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 everything has to stay the same. Because everyone finds comfort in the same. Everyone finds comfort in the known. And so I have now completely pivoted and the complete opposite. And now I seek challenges. I Mm -hmm. seek things that I don't know what I'm doing. What would you say is the biggest thing you still are working on healing? Oh, healing. I'm a big believer that healing is a journey. It's a process. You know, you might have a moment where you're like, this thing has been affecting me for decades and now I'm awake to it and I'm starting the healing journey and now Mm. I'm not as triggered by this thing anymore, Mm. but there might be tendencies every now and then just not as big of a trigger or a wound. What do you feel the wound is for you? Yeah, I know it very well. It's a trigger of mine that I didn't realize I've been working through 
realized it probably a few years ago now. Tom highlighted it for me. And it's interesting. Have a conversation with your partner about、mm. what triggers you when they notice it first. That's freaking <laughs> hard, dude. Because you, initially you're just like, no, what do you mean? I'm not triggered by that. Right? <laughs> because,、sure. because you get triggered by of it. Of course. So, first of all, I just look, okay, Tom wants what's best for me. So, I have to just embrace that I've been with him long enough to know when he's saying something, I really need to pay attention.、Uh-huh. And then identifying where the trigger comes from. So, there's actually a couple. Number one, I don't cry.、Mm, ever. Not in public and very rarely by myself. Interesting. Okay. I'm working to unwind that. And it, used, it started off with Tom's, me joking and Tom joking that I was dead inside. And we used to joke. But it. There's some truth in jokes, right? So, because here was the thing, because there would be moments, literally, we'd be watching a movie, Lewis, and he'd be in tears and he'd look over and he's like, What the fuck, babe? You're not even crying? And I'm like, No, like it's sad. <laughs> sad, so, but yeah. And so I think that part of it was like a defense mechanism、uh-huh. for him to be like, You're just dead inside. And so I used to、right. joke, Yeah, I'm dead inside. It never bothered me until I started to realize. Mm. What is it? Like, I see so many women hold back the tears so much, and I'm the complete opposite. I try to do it with no judgment, right? But, like, you mean by yourself by or by myself. Or yeah,、okay. so by myself. Like, after I started to realize, why am I the only one that doesn't cry in movies? When did you start realizing this? As, when I was younger, I used it as a source of pride.、Uh-huh. I'm I was, strong, I'm tough. Yeah, like,、and... I'm freaking cry. These. <laughs> What's going on over here? I don't freaking cry. And、yeah. I used it as a pride thing.、Uh-huh. As I learned more and more about mindset, as I started to learn about my audience, doing my show, Women of Impact, and hearing how many people would watch episodes and be in tears, and I'm like, well, geez, like what, they, what am I not feeling? Am I, am I actually dead inside? So I,、huh. I had to process and I was like, is this holding me back? Why is this holding me back? Like, why is this bothering me right now to your point? Like, why is this now bothering me? When you, before I used to think of it as、mm-hmm, a superpower.、Mm-hmm. And so as I started to unravel, I started to just no judgment go back into my past. And I realized that when I was around 15, I was at a funeral, first person that really died in my family. And I looked around. And I'm the youngest, so I was very much used to everyone else being the strong people, the leaders, and all of that. And I would just follow. I look around, everyone's in tears. Everyone. All the guys, all the women.、Mm. And in that moment, I was like, well, who's going to be strong for them? I remember, and I was like, I'm so used to people being strong for me, but there's not a dry eye in the room. So I guess I'm going to have to be it. And so I remember being, hold back the tears, Lee. Don't、mm. you dare cry. Be strong for everyone else. And then I also remember at the age of around seven or eight, I remember my parents got divorced, and I would walk into the room, and my mum would always wipe away her tears and pretend she wasn't crying. And, like, now, even when my mum hears me say that, I'm like, Mum, you cannot blame yourself.、Sure. Please don't, because of course, you try not to upset me. So, why would you, like, don't feel bad about trying to wipe away the tears?、Mm-hmm. And we learn so much about mindset now, you know. Over the years, so don't worry about it. But yeah, that did teach me that as、mm. a woman, you shouldn't show tears or vulnerability in front of others because it may upset them. Interesting. And so I think I adopted those things. So, flash forward, I'm now an adult, my husband's quite more than I am, and I'm like, I really have to assess it. So, I'm really still processing it. Really? Yeah. I'm. How are you processing it? In moments of, so my, my puppy passed away a couple、mm. of weeks ago. and When I say puppy, 17 and a half, he、yeah. wasn't a puppy at all. 
And in moments like that, I was just like, okay, like, well, first of all, I couldn't even control myself. It was just the, the tears and the, the heartbreak just came. So in moments like that, I'm like, let it, like I was coaching myself really? to just like feel the feel. And I, I was repeating that, feel the feel, Lisa. It's okay, feel the feel. So I kept telling myself that. Were you trying to hold it back a little bit or? Um, I think once upon a time I would have, but I've done the pre-work now mm. in just over the last few years that I've really been working on this specific thing. Wow. Um, so in that moment, and then the last thing was give myself grace. So I was supposed to do Jay Shetty's podcast that day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's freaking Jay Shetty. Like, you know, we all know how busy he is, right? Mm-hmm. And he's a good friend of ours, but I know how busy he is. And it's I was- It's like a, the universe testing you. It's like, okay, you got to just toughen up and yeah. go back to work. And... Yeah. And so in that moment, I was like, no, I'm not going to toughen up. Mm. No. You know what? I need to feel this. And this is exactly re- why you can't cry, Lisa. Because you, you're trying to be a bad ass all the time. Mm-hmm. But I have to tell myself. So I have to literally say to myself, Lisa, be soft. Let yourself feel the feelings. You know if you went to this- you would put on your uniform, mm. you would get your mindset right, but then that won't allow you to actually grieve. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, very graciously called him and we canceled the shoot. And wow. I just, I told my team, don't any, I kept my phone off. And that was the thing. I was like, I need to allow myself the space to process my emotions and I just need to cry and I just need to do whatever I need to do. And so I gave myself that space. And so, that was all because I'd done the work. I realized that it was a problem. I realized that, oh my God, this might be a point. I'm, my old habits are going to arise. Mm-hmm. So now I have to give myself the space. What do you think is available for yourself when you allow yourself space to feel emotions, to process emotions in healthy manners, as opposed to holding back emotions? I think that that might have been a big part of why I ended up having a lot of health issues. Really? Because if you think about it, I was grinding at Quest. I never gave myself any self-care. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse. And up until about 10 or 11 years ago, I was afraid to talk about my trauma that I experienced. And I know we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash L-E-W-I-S. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. It was like my auntie, I remember, this is heartbreaking. I remember in the, I was in the middle of work, my auntie in Cyprus going to a massive, like um, she was walking in the street and a car hit her and pinned her against these like um, barriers. And I remember like my dad calling me and me being on the phone. I was like, you know, talking with him. And I was like, well, I can't go to Cyprus. 
I've got business, I've got business around. Mm-hmm. You know, keep me updated, Dad, Dad, but I can't, you know, and it's like, now you kidding. Mm. I would drop everything if someone needed me. And I'd like, you know, so things like that, where you just make these small decisions where you're like, well, it's all the way there in a way. What can I really do? You know, and then I go back to work. I didn't actually let the emotion of what had happened to my aunts and kin. I didn't let any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've kind of I'm trying to unwind all the behavior that I've done in order to see how I can use it in the future. And what's interesting is because I'm so used to, I said earlier about music, I'm so used to knowing how to get hard and how to like get on. When on that day when my dog died, the next day, I actually realized I had to let it out. Mm -hmm. Even if I wasn't feeling it, I had to let it out. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, what can I do to let it out? Because you've never really done it before. You didn't know how to. Yeah. So I actually put on a song. Mm -hmm that I knew was going to break my heart. Which one was this? Um, It was a very recent one, which is weird, because I'd only just heard it. The newer song, yeah. It's the um, Jennifer Lopez song, On My Way To You. Okay. Or whatever. Okay. God, like, even now, I could get, like, actually a little emotional, because I was listening to that song, like, as I were in the car on the way to the vet. Oh. So we get a call at one in the morning, hey, we don't know if he's going to make it, you've got to get your ass here. We jump in the car and then the next day I heard that song uh, and it's basically, I'm on my way to you. It's like even talking about it, like I'm getting emotional, but like if I put that song on, like I did it deliberately. Mm-hmm. I put it on repeat. I wanted the tears to come. I wanted the floodgates open on purpose. And so that's like kind of going back to what I'd said earlier. It's like I try to be deliberate about what I'm trying to achieve in order to allow the emotion to come so right. I can really just feel it. Whether it's, hey, I want to be freaking bad right now and how the hell do I get on stage and be bad? And right now, I need to let this out. How do I do that? What do I do? I put mm-hmm. on like my most intimate, like soft pajamas. I had a photo of him next to me. I had his blanket. Mm. And so literally, like I was smelling his blanket, oh. putting that song on and wanting to cry. I can relate to the music being a, an opener for you. My father passed two months ago. And for the first few weeks afterwards, I was just listening to music. Like there'd be songs, like an Andre Bocelli song will play even now. And it gets me very emotional to the point where I need to turn the song off mm-hmm. because it'll take me down yeah. a grieving path for a period of time. So if I'm at night and it's at a home and I can do it, then that's great. But if it's in the middle of the day, I'm like, I have to block it at some points to stay focused on something. But it's um, it's a journey. But I'm, I'm so proud of you for allowing yourself the process of healing you know there's it's a journey and for me it's a journey as well but i think allowing yourself to cry or just feel the emotions how you want to feel them and let that out of you because whatever is inside of you stays trapped there it might affect you physically yeah. you know so i think that's a really healthy thing you're allowing yourself the ritual of processing because i truly believe the body keeps score you know from the book the body keeps the score so if we're not able to process in healthy ways then it's gonna block us up in certain ways yeah it was so weird and so freaking heartbreaking and something new that i'm working on Mm -hmm. because i know you're extremely mentally tough (laughs) right you and tom talk about mindset all the time this is a part of the pillar of your values and foundation and growth mindset have you processed or thought about the power of emotional agility 
Yeah. And that value for yourself. And have you looked into that? Yeah. That's really why I knew that this wasn't healthy. Like, even if it was like, well, why, why, why does it matter, Lisa? Right? Like, why does it matter mm-hmm. that you don't cry? Because I know it doesn't actually help what I'm trying to do on impact and relatability and understanding and empathy. Um, mm-hmm. Like, all of that. Like, I recognize it. So. Are you doing any more coaching or, or getting out of the support for this? No, it's interesting because I have like a process that I do uh-huh. and it, it's very internal. It's very like, I almost don't want other people to give me advice. Sure. Like I almost like don't, because it becomes overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I often go, be at peace with yourself and just <laughs> listen to your own mind yeah. and be like, okay, well, why doesn't this sit well? What can you do? Like, so going through these last two weeks of embracing like my emotions up and down and not knowing it's like i was walking up the stairs the other day literally and something happened and all of a sudden i got this wave i don't know if you know how that feels Mm -hmm. obviously with your dad that wave and i was walking up the stairs and i got this wave of just freaking grief and i was like and i literally had to take a deep breath and i had to like put my hand on my heart and just be like fuck what's happening to me Mm -hmm. right now and i'd be like it's okay like even now I'm getting emotional because it's like that feeling of like, and see, I would never do this. I would never get emotional if I hadn't done all this work. And so right now you see it's me beautiful. in the real time being able to evolve and go, wow, just putting my hand on my heart mm-hmm. and reminding me that it's okay. Like to be able to take that gasp of air where you can't believe, you know, that you can't breathe. It's okay. Yeah. It's beautiful. I think another thing, you know, someone we're both, admire Sarah Blakely I've seen her be vulnerable and cry and open up you know in different settings and it's like you can be a powerful woman and build something very meaningful and impactful Mm -hmm. and also be emotionally you know agile I say yeah and allow yourself to process so not saying you need to cry all the time or anything like that but it's I think it's powerful to be aware of it and be on that healing journey so yeah I mean it's like your book the last one Mm -hmm. you wrote it's so amazing I mean it's going to the point that you know you have to always be tough and you always say you know people expect this of you but what about the beauty that is emotion within a man Absolutely. you know and then how do we embrace the 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 two and so for me it's the same right it's that like I've trained myself to be mentally strong for so long that I have to give myself the permission to be this soft, beautiful, warm-hearted person and be able to be a freaking beast and crush it at work and have these dualities. And I think growing up for both of us, it was like we weren't allowed no, the space just to have way. the dualities. Yeah, it was just one. Yeah. I'm glad you're on the journey. It's Thank beautiful. You. It's Thank beautiful. You. And I think that makes someone even more unique in the world. Um, you know, Matthew Hussey talks about this in terms of relationship where he's coaching women saying, you know, it's the person who's also smart and a little edgy, who's vulnerable and can be tough. Mm -hmm. It's not when you're vulnerable all the time or tough all the time where someone creates long-term like amazing attraction or abundance. It's like having the duality. I think you talked about it in your show as well. So I'm so happy you're doing that. This is a question I ask everyone towards the end. It's called the three truths. So I'd like you to imagine a hypothetical scenario. Mm-hmm. It's your last day on earth, many years away from now. You get to accomplish everything you want to accomplish, but you've lived a happy, healthy life. And for whatever reason, everything you've created has got to go with you or okay. to another place. So no one has access to your book, movies, work, content anymore, but you get to leave behind three things you know to be true, three lessons. What do you feel like your future self would leave behind as those three truths? Ooh. Confidence isn't the start to something. Confidence is the result of something. Mm-hmm. 
Number two, failure is the most amazing opportunity. And if you don't respect yourself, then no one else will. Mm-hmm. I don't actually know where that last one came from. That was actually a surprise to me too. That's good. I believe that. If you don't have self-love, self-respect, then people are going to walk all over you. It's a powerful book. I'm really excited about this. Radical Confidence. 10 No BS Lessons on Becoming the Hero of Your Own Life. Uh, a lot of inspiring people have endorsed this. I've gone through it. I love the content, love the practical tips at the end of the chapters, really inspiring stories about your lessons of things you've talked about here, building quests, other things behind the scenes, which I think is really cool and where you're at now. So make sure you guys pick up a copy or two, give them to a few friends as well. Women of Impact, it's a powerful channel on Thank YouTube, you. your Instagram, your social media is really inspiring, powerful. People can follow you there. Lots of great content. Radicalconfidence.com for this. So you guys can go here or Lisa Bill you on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well. How else can we be of support to you right now? Um, I think it really is just, I'm all about value add. So if the book brought value, if this interview brought value, share, tag, like that's really yeah. the biggest thing is that, you know, I just always think that none of us can create global impact alone, ever. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always like, what's my thing? Yes. So my thing is if I can throw a pebble in the water and then it becomes this ripple that eventually creates a tsunami, my job is done. Yes. So if I think of the book, my content as being the pebble, and if other people can go out and t- create those ripples, like I would, that would be so meaningful. I love that, I love that. Well, Lisa, I wanna acknowledge you for a moment for your journey. I think it's inspiring mm-hmm. to see someone who set out in their life with a certain path and continues to evolve that path. And I acknowledge you for learning to love yourself and not shame yourself mm-hmm. and not hold yourself back for shifting and evolving and innovating yourself from what you thought you were supposed to be to society standards or maybe family's pressures or even husband's pressures and evolving to going from that scale of a one to 10 from a one to where you are now, which seems like it's a lot higher and I'm assuming (laughs) will always be evolving. So I really acknowledge you for leading by example. By talking about how, you know, you don't just become confident when you, when you have a result, it's the, the confidence of the act of failure, building yourself up where confidence comes from. So I think it's really inspiring that you're sharing this, that you've been building everything you've been building, and I'm, I'm so happy for you. Mm, so grateful you. for you, yes. Thank you for motivating me as well. You and just all of our friends, you know, like my first time writing a book, and so having people to support you, like, yes. is so freaking meaningful. And you always said, Lewis, like, you got a book, you can come on. I was like, yeah. oh, I'm coming on Lewis house. <laughs> I have a book. Yes, yeah. Well, when you asked to come on, I think it was a year and a half ago or two years ago. Yeah. And it didn't feel like it was the right timing. I wanted to be like, you know, when you have your book, let's do something so there's a moment so we can make a bigger impact with that message. Can we take a minute to talk about this? Sure. It's so powerful. Yeah. So like, as a friend, you motivated me. And it's like, when you, when people say no, it doesn't mean it's a reflection of how bad you are. Or maybe Mm -hmm. sometimes it is a reflection of how bad. Great, I can get better. And that's the thing is that, how do I bring value to your audience? Mm -hmm. If I'm not there yet, Lewis, I wouldn't want you to have me on. I like the motivation of, oh, how do I get so good that I gotta be on Lewis's show? Like, that's about me, that's not a you thing. How do I get so good? One of my favorite phrases, Steve Martin, the comedian, be so good they cannot ignore you. And it's the most empowering thing ever. And so for you, I've seen the guests you've brought on, you are an incredible human. And so to motivate me to be like, 
you got a book you can come on like it has to be the right time right i it was a blessing and i want people to really hear that because in mm-hmm. moments where you reach out to somebody so first of all have the courage to reach out yes. because if you don't if you don't ask the answer will always be no mm-hmm. so now if you do ask and you get a no ask yourself is it a me thing is it a them thing or is it a not yet thing right because here's the thing i just may never be right for your show and your audience okay well no matter how good i get If I'm not right, I'm not right. And now I may take that as an insult to me, but it's actually not. So now look at what mm-hmm. are the things, like is it a not yet? And so that was it. It's a not yet. Great. What do I have to do? <laughs> what skill sets do I have to learn? Yeah. What do I have to build? Because here's the thing. I don't want success given to me. Mm-hmm. I don't want it given to me. And that's like why I said with the book, like if the book brings value, then share it. Sure. That's my thing. So it's like for me to be on here, for you to really think that I can bring bring value. That's a me thing. I've got to bring my eight game, and I love that. Yeah. So it was so powerful that you said that to me, and I want people to think of that, like moments like that. How can you not take it personally? Mm-hmm. How can you say their response is actually motivating to me? You know, take our friend Jamie Kern Lima. How many no's did she get all along the way she was trying to start her makeup company? So many, so many no's. If she had let a no stop her, she wouldn't have built a company worth $1.2 billion dollars, and she wouldn't have sold it to L'Oreal and she wouldn't have been the first female CEO in L'Oreal's history if she took no as a reflection of her worth. Wow. So that was my, my leaving powerful. part. Do yeah, not take no. It's powerful. I think it's inciting. And I think um, we should always, if we want something bad enough, or not saying you wanted this, but if you want something in general life oh, bad enough. I wanted enough, this bad enough, Lewis. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you want something in life bad enough, say you want to go, whatever, on the Today Show. The Today Show is not, you got to think about what does their audience want, and are you at the level of where they want you to be to be able to promote someone like you. Or is the timing off? Or is it not the right season for them because they're in the news cycle of mm-hmm. the war and they're not talking about something else? So can't take things personally. You just got to think, how can I build myself better? Yes. How can I improve or how can I grow and, and set myself up for the mission I'm on and, and then allow other people to talk about it when it's ready. So really excited for you, Radical Confidence. Make sure you guys uh, pick up a few copies, share them with your friends. Leave some comments below if you're on YouTube right now. Um, Tag Lisa when you're over on social media as well, of course, and follow her all over the place on social media. Final question for you. What's your definition of greatness? Saying I'm going to get somewhere and do something and then actually doing it. So this question is very appropriate for me being here because I said, I'm going to get on the Lewis Howe show. He will say yes to me one day. <laughs> He will say yes to me. I'm going to be so great. He cannot ignore me. And here I am. So I think that the definition of greatness is saying you want something, Asking yourself, how am I going to get it? Mm-hmm. And be willing to put in the work and practice. My favorite movie, Karate Kid, wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. And just keep practicing until you get so good that you can't be ignored. Lisa mm. Billion. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. And also make sure to share this with a friend and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you guys, so share a review over on Apple and let me know what part of this episode resonated with you the most. And if no one's told you lately, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you are matter. 
And now it's time to go out there and do something great. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.